You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. In just a moment, we're going to hear a passage of scripture. It's a part of a story from the book of Ruth, which is a book in the Hebrew Bible. To set the stage a little bit for you before we hear the scripture, the story takes place after the time of great leaders like Moses and Joshua that led the people through the wilderness and through times of transition, but before the rise of the kings, people like King David or King Solomon. It was kind of that in-between time where judges rose to power and the Israelites had no centralized government, no single leader, and local judges emerged in every quadrant trying to do justice and help guide the people in whatever manner that they could. So here's how Ruth's story begins. It's the time of the judges. There was a famine in the land of Judah, which was where the Israelites lived. And so a woman named Naomi and her husband and their two sons left the land of Judah and traveled to the land of Moab because they were looking for food in the midst of the famine. And the sons ended up marrying women in Moab because they stayed for a number of years in that land. And the family started to make a life there. But again, over the course of several years, both of the sons died and even Naomi's husband died too while they were living in Moab. And so Naomi is left a widow and she decides to go back home to Judah to her hometown of Bethlehem She has these two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. Initially, they seem like they're going to go to Judah with her, and she says, no, no, don't follow me. Stay in your homeland. Stay in this place where you're from. Now, Orpah listens, and she says, yeah, okay. Go on, Naomi. I'm going to stay here. But Ruth, as it turns out, is a little bit more stubborn Let's listen to the scripture passage. The scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law is returning to her people and to her gods. Turn back after your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to abandon you to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me and more so, if even death separates me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her about it. So both of them went along their way until they arrived at Bethlehem. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. 
every time I read the beginning of Ruth's story, I think about the lyrics to the theme song from the Gilmore Girls. This is a TV show. The lyrics, I'm not going to sing them. I want to sing them, but uh, it would be off tune, out of tune. Uh, they go, where you lead, I will follow anywhere that you ask me to. If you need me to be with you, I, were, I will follow where you lead. I never watched the Gilmore Girls live when it was on the air. I've watched it on Netflix long after the fact, but basically, if you're not familiar with the show, it's a story about a mom named Lorelai and her daughter named Rory. Initially, Rory is in high school, and then later on, she goes to college, and basically, they're navigating the world together with lots of drama and even more jokes, lots of comedy and fast-talking and snacks. They have this deep mutual abiding love for each other so that Rory would follow her mom anywhere and then Lorelai would do the same for her daughter Rory. Now there's somewhat of a power dynamic because Lorelai is the mom and Rory is the kid but you never have a sense while you're watching the show that there's anything forced or coerced about their relationship. It is a partnership built purely on love and loyalty to one another. And they're truthfully traveling on any journey that the other one takes. If one goes, the other one is along for the ride. Now I know that Ruth and Naomi, they didn't have their own theme song like, uh, like the Gilmore Girls, but it's sort of fun to imagine that their relationship might have been a little bit like that, just a little bit like that. Of course, there are a few different dynamics at play in Ruth and Naomi's story. They're not um, biological mother and daughter. One's a mother-in-law, one's a daughter-in-law. Another thing, of course, is that Ruth is a Moabite woman. And before I be continue on with the rest of the story here, I, I actually want to unpack that identity just a little bit because it's important to helping us understand Ruth's story, her identity as a Moabite. So Ruth is from Moab. Moab is a geographic region. It's an elevated area of plateaus to the east of the Dead Sea. And the Moabites would have been bordered on the north by the Ammonites and to the south by the Edomites. So a lot of ites running around in biblical times. It's also important to know being a Moabite was not, was not a racial description. So... Um, it wouldn't have been her race. However, it was a distinct ethnicity. So being Moabite may or may not have indicated a certain skin complexion. Instead, it really was an identity that was tied to a unique language, unique traditions, customs, food, a way of dressing, a way of viewing the world. So that's important to know that she had this ethnicity of being a Moabite. Another really important detail to understand Ruth's story is that Moab was not a well-loved region by the people in Judah, the people that Naomi was a part of. Someone who is Moabite may very well have been identifiable to people in Judah by the way they dressed or the way they spoke or the way that they um, talked about things. And many of the people in Judah would have held prejudice against people from Moab. They might have ostracized them. They might have treated them differently 
because they were from this other place and this other culture. It's interesting to know some of these dynamics because Ruth chooses to follow her mother-in-law, Naomi, to her hometown in Bethlehem despite these things, despite these potential hardships. And Naomi, in turn, allows Ruth to journey with her, even though she's given her this speech and said, Ruth, no, please, stay back. Do not come with me. She gives in to Ruth's stubbornness. There's such a pure love and loyalty in this scripture passage that we heard this morning. I want to read Ruth's speech again. I, I just think it's wonderful. Do not urge me to abandon you, to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Ruth makes a declaration of faith and loyalty. I'm going with you. I'm going to journey with you. She may have had some assumptions about the difficulties that she would face as a Moabite woman traveling into the heart of Judah, a foreigner, an immigrant, a widow in a society where women were valued primarily in relationship to men in their lives. But also she may not really have conceived the true depth of the challenges she was about to face. Do any of us really understand the challenges, the biggest challenges of our lives before we have emerged on the other side of them? I don't know. One of my good friends from seminary is a woman named Joanna, who serves as a pastor in Virginia. Speaking of challenges, she served in a, as an associate pastor for almost a decade, and uh, now she's a solo pastor. But she was on staff at a church, sort of similar to this church in a lot of ways, and during her time as the associate pastor there, she witnessed four senior pastor transitions. Four. I won't go into details on how that came to pass, but suffice it to say, it is unusual for a church of that size to have that kind of quick turnover in the senior pastor position. It is very unusual, and certainly it's not something that we've experienced here in this congregation. You all were led by Pastor Doug Trebilcock for almost two decades, and now Pastor Rick has been with us, uh, been with you all for, it'll be 17 years at the end of June, and, uh, Beginning July 1st, after Pastor Rick retires, we'll welcome in Pastor Amy Mayo-Moyle as the incoming senior pastor, and we all anticipate she's going to be here for quite some time. As a congregation, we got to hear a brief greeting from Pastor Amy last week in worship and as part of our Forward in Faith gatherings that we hosted at the end of April. Many of you know Pastor Amy, or if you don't know her yet, you've heard some things about her. Most of you by now are aware she served in the Clarkston congregation, um, you know, half a dozen years ago as an associate pastor. And uh, I think it's safe to say that this senior pastor transition is unlike most senior pastor transitions, certainly unlike the senior pastor transitions that my friend Joanna experienced in Virginia. Because Amy knows many of you, and she knows the Clarkston culture. And many of you know Amy. 
And much of the anxiety that is typically felt in this type of season in the life of a church, in the midst of a transition, is, for many of us, laid aside in favor of excitement and hope and looking forward to the future with expectation. And yet, it's still a really big change for the church to say farewell to someone who has served here for 17 years. That's no small thing. To welcome someone new into that role, that's no small thing. It's a flurry of emotions. I mean, it is grief, it's anticipation, it's goodbye, hello, pandemic exhaustion, anticipation of what might be possible in the future. It's all of it all at once rolled into one and uh, there's not a lot of time to process it, is there? It seems like June and July are rolling closer every single day. And so I was talking to my friend Joanna, who's experienced all these different transitions of senior pastors, albeit very different circumstances than what we are experiencing here. And we were talking about our sermons for this week on a video call, and, uh, and Joanna said to me, you know, one of the most important things that I have learned about a senior, pa- senior pastor transition is that the people in the congregation need to be committed to one another. She said, in some ways, it doesn't matter who the clergy are. Now, let me be clear. It matters who the clergy are, right? I'm speaking this as a clergy person, so totally unbiased. But even more important than the clergy, if we're being honest, is all of you. What matters in a church, what makes a church healthy, is a promise to care for one another, a promise of mutual love and loyalty, almost regardless of clergy. Set Pastor Rick, Pastor Amy, myself, uh, set us aside for just a moment. It's about the people in this congregation that makes it truly a holy, healthy community. This season of transition that we're in, this is a Ruth and Naomi moment for this congregation. Are we, looking, are we willing to look at one another in this community of faith and say, quite simply, I'll go where you go. I'll be with you on the journey. I'll be with you wherever the journey takes us. Clergy are okay. We're all right. But the true health of a church, the true heart of a church, is measured not by the pastors or the deacons who may be on staff at any given time, The health of a faith community, of any community, is measured by how willing people are within that community to journey alongside one another, to say, I'll go with you. I'm here. I'm not turning away. I won't leave you. There are all kinds of sentiments that we might associate with those kinds of statements. Loyalty, a lack of judgment towards one another a spirit of compassion and support for one another. All these things are critical as we seek to journey with one another. Some of you know that um, I've been in charge, along with Julie Hall, of the Congregational Care Ministers Program. Um, It was a program put in place by Deacon Laura Spearin when she was on staff, and uh, 
the congregational care ministers or the CCMs are trained volunteers who prioritize confidentiality and compassion. And I think they're part of this Ruth Naomi dynamic of the church, saying, hey, I'm gonna journey with you. I'm with you. You're not alone. They are not clergy, these CCMs. They are church members like you who have committed to using their gifts and their time to reach out to other members in the community in an official capacity on behalf of the church to check in and say, how are you doing? How can we be praying for you? In some cases, they share a scripture um, or they share words of support and encouragement. You have no idea how much of a gift these CCMs are to this congregation, particularly how much of a gift these CCMs are to me to know that there is a trained team of people who can check on others in the congregation, on behalf of the congregation. What a gift. And to you all who have allowed these folks into your lives by answering their phone calls, by opening up, by sharing your prayer requests, what a gift to journey alongside one another in this way. Now, especially during the pandemic, Uh, and in light of Reverend Laura Spearin, who is previous our director of congregational care, needing to take some leave time, it's been such a wonderful thing to have these congregational care ministers that are part of our congregational care program. I think they're embodying that spirit of Ruth in their work. Your people are my people. Your God is is my God. Now, quick side note here, if you are watching this and you're thinking, I'd like to be contacted by a CCM, or you care for someone, perhaps, and you'd like them to be contacted, please go to the prayer request page, clarkstonumc.org slash prayer, and send a note letting us know. We're glad to add you to the list. We're glad to add someone that you care for to the list. I know that not every congregation would accept these volunteers and the work that they do. And I really get the sense that there is a spirit of Ruth in this congregation. There's really a willingness to journey alongside one another. It's it's so inspiring to me, you have no idea, to hear examples of how some of you in the church have taken meals to one another. Or in some cases, you've made unprompted phone calls to check in, or you've sent cards, or you've sent baked goods, or uh, you've done other things to care for one another. There are all these tangible ways that you have said, we're on this journey together. You're not alone. Now, if you haven't been part of something like that to this point, maybe this is the moment, and maybe you're the one to start it. Send a note to someone else in church, or offer food, and maybe you're not sure, hey, who do I send a card to? Who do I pray for? You can call the main office. We will connect you with someone to be in prayer for. We'd love to do that. It's so crucial to commit to this spirit of Ruth, this spirit of journeying with one another in this place, in this season. You know what happens after Ruth's story is over, don't you? You know what happens long down the line, many years down the line, she ends up being part of the lineage of the great King David. The great king comes to power 
in part because of Ruth's compassion, her willingness to take risks, her willingness to put all her eggs in one basket and say, Naomi, I'm on this journey with you. And then later still, far, far later, Ruth is listed as one of the ancestors of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The birth of the Messiah, in part, has this piece of Ruth's story in it, this loyalty, this compassion. And there's no way Ruth could have known that these things would be part of her story, that these things would come out of her story. But compassion and loyalty and steadfast love for one another, these things plant seeds. They plant seeds that come to fruition in unexpected and wonderful ways. My prayer for us all as we face moments of transition in the months ahead is to choose to journey alongside one another even more, even more intentionally to offer one another a spirit of compassion, to turn to our neighbor, whether they're in a pew or on the screen on a Zoom or somebody that's physically across the street from us and say honestly, I'll go with you. I'll walk with you. We're on this journey together. May we not be afraid to, lo- to walk alongside each other this day and every day in the name of Jesus Christ. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.